Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Hi, this is Stephen Nill, CEO of CharityChannel.com. So, you want your charity to succeed. You came to the right place. Integration of online and offline techniques is the key to your successful fundraising, and practical advice on going green is what you need. With this show, The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart, you will learn from experts around the world who provide advice you can use. Our host is Ted Hart, one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. This year, he is celebrating 25 years in the nonprofit sector and the 10-year anniversary of his firm, TedHart.com. His books range from successful online fundraising to the use of social media and how to make your nonprofit green. His guests are leaders in their field who will share tips and trade secrets for nonprofit management, green strategy, and fundraising success. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, here's Ted. And good afternoon. This is Ted Hart. Thank you, Steve, for that wonderful introduction. You are here live on the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show. Today is June 20th, coming to you live from the nation's capital. Those of you who are familiar with the show know that we always start off with Page One News. Before we get to the news today, just a reminder that this is a live call-in show. You can call and ask questions of our Page 2 experts today by dialing 347-324-3080. You can also join us over in the chat room. I see a number of folks over in the chat room. Hello. Uh, or you can also email me today at tedhart at tedhart.com. The radio links for today are always available for you to follow along as I'm sharing with you information about news from around the nonprofit sector and around the world. You can follow those radio links at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. First up here on Nonprofit Coach, page one news today, comes to us from Social Access. Social Access is reminding us of the top ten social media pitfalls to watch out for. Uh, and as you read down through some of those, uh, some of the more important ones that I want to draw your attention to uh, is number six, replacing traditional media entirely with social media. As we have shared with you here on The Nonprofit Coach, it's all about integration, online and offline. The Internet, social media, online fundraising is vitally important to the future of nonprofit organizations, but not to the exclusion of traditional fundraising, which means 
integration is the key to your success. Read all about it in the radio links today at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. While you're there today, you will also be able to download a copy of the new white paper that comes to us uh, from the uh, from uh, Hootsuite, uh, written by Nicole Kelly. This particular white paper is the second in their series. We did share the first uh, in the series a few weeks ago, which was Introduction to Social Media Measurement with Hootsuite. Now you can also download Applying Social Media Measurement to the Sales Funnel. Uh, those of you who are regulars here on the Nonprofit Coach know that we are huge, huge users of Hootsuite.com. That's H-O-O-T-S-U-I-T-E. You'll find this white paper over in the radio links today. Terrific service. Highly recommend it uh, to help you organize your social media online. Next up here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, is not only a link to share with you today, but also a mention of next week's show. Uh, here uh, coming to us from Mashable, again, one of our favorite websites here on the Nonprofit Coach, Mashable.com now shares with us hands-on Twitter's new photo sharing service. Uh, you can get uh, uh, information about how you can integrate photos into uh, this new service, which is provided by TwitPic uh, for Twitter. Now, that just uh, brings me to a little bit of a mention for next week's show. Next week's show, we are back on Tuesdays, our regular show time, and that is June 28th. We have an expert on the use of Twitter for nonprofit organizations. Do not miss that show. Uh, today, of course, is our very special Monday rescheduled show uh, because today when we get to page two, we will have nationally renowned experts Edith Falk and Peter Fissinger, uh, Fissinger who is going to be here to share with us uh, the just-released Giving USA Report 2011 on the national announcement of philanthropic activity uh, for 2010. So stay tuned for page two today. Now, the June 28th show, which is next week, is our final show before our summer hiatus. Nonprofit Coach does not produce in July and August. We will be back with a full fall schedule starting on September 6th. Now back here on the radio links for today is to draw your attention to an important new ebook which has just been released. Now it's my pleasure to welcome here on the Nonprofit Coach Kate Sloniker, sorry about that, Kate, uh, who is the Director of Marketing for Cvent. Now, before I, I welcome Kate here onto the show, I do want to note to all of our listeners that you can download a free copy of Event Marketing 2.0, How to Boost Attendance Through Social Media. Now, this is a very important new document uh, that is being provided by Cvent. Uh, so welcome here on the Nonprofit Coach, Kate Sloniker. How are you, Kate? Kate, are you there? Kate, well, maybe you have us on uh, on mute. I can see you on the switchboard, and I do have you live here on the Nonprofit Coach. Kate, are you there? Well, hopefully we'll get Kate uh, here live on the show. I do see you on the switchboard, Kate, so maybe you need to dial back in if you're having trouble uh, speaking through uh, through your phone or however you're dialing in today. Uh, while Kate uh, comes live here on the show, uh, I do want to, again, note uh, that this important new ebook uh, is Event Marketing 2.0, How to Boost Attendance Through Social Media. 
Uh, now, this book covers uh, a number of different very important tips that we share with you here uh, on The Nonprofit Coach. We hope to have Kate back in just a couple minutes so that she can highlight herself uh, some of the important goals of this book. Uh, but this really helps you with crafting a social media marketing strategy uh, to, uh, to uh, be able to build upon your offline uh, activities. Kate, are you here with us on the show? Kate, oh my goodness, I can see you there on uh, on the uh, the switchboard, and your microphone is on. So hopefully uh, you can uh, jump in whenever uh, whenever you're able to uh, uh, get your phone working there. Kate Sloniker was uh, planning to join us here live on the Nonprofit Coach. She is the director of marketing uh, for Cvent, who is releasing today uh, this important new ebook. Uh, that is available for your download today. Now, I do recommend that all of my listeners today uh, do download uh, this book. Uh, it's going to cover topics such as Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and the use of YouTube. Uh, they walk you through how to create a Twitter account, to customize your profile page, uh, to use LinkedIn, which, uh, as you know here on The Nonprofit Coach, we consider LinkedIn to be one of the top strategies uh, for nonprofit organizations. Um, and then it also walks you through step-by-step step on how you can share the event with, uh, with a link uh, to your registered LinkedIn uh, folks, uh, pe people that you're connected to. And then it goes right on through uh, to Facebook and helping you to build your event uh, in Facebook, uh, help you to post on event walls, um, to invite others through Facebook. So this is really a very comprehensive book uh, that allows you to immediately jump right into wherever your strategy might be. So if you already have a Facebook strategy and you need to add LinkedIn uh, or Twitter, this is going to help you walk right through. But so many charities uh, miss the opportunity uh, to also incorporate YouTube uh, into uh, into their uh, their overall planning, but not with this ebook. With this ebook, now you're going to have um, expert information that's going to allow you to develop a YouTube channel, uh, to use event dates, and all of those hidden tips. Uh, Kate, are you here with us on the show? Okay, well, um, we're going to hope to get Kate uh, back here on the show. We're going to move on uh, here, but uh, again, I've, I've just reviewed for you how important I believe this ebook is um, and how utilizing all of these various uh, tools together into an integrated uh, uh, social media uh, platform and then integrating that with your offline uh, activities. I'll continue to uh, monitor the switchboard if it is possible to bring Kate Sloniker in. I do want you to get a chance to hear directly from her as a representative of Cvent. Uh, if not, we will try to get Kate on the show uh, next week. Next up here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, is an article that comes to us from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, this is entitled Cashathon. The Rise of Charity Races. Uh, and what this walks through is just how important uh, races and sporting events have become to nonprofit organizations. But it does take money to raise money. And some of these activities can be uh, very costly. And as we know, special events really have to be evaluated as to whether or not they are the best way for you to raise money. Uh, and I'm, I'm very pleased in this uh, New York Times article uh, how they spend time really talking about the average cost, cost of fundraising per dollar for special events versus direct mail and major gifts. Uh, and the, uh, the graph that they have there will be very helpful to you in placing the emphasis correctly 
and various fundraising tools. Next up here on the Nonprofit Coach, Radio Links. Find uh, that uh, uh, you're, you're going to be able to go to one of Ted's favorite things. Uh, and as you know, one of Ted's favorite things uh, is the freeconferencecall.com. Now, I've shared this several times here on the show before. Uh, I'm always trying to find ways to help charities uh, save money. Uh, and in this case, uh, they have now expanded their service to free international calling. Uh, in-country dial number, dial-in numbers are now available in multiple uh, countries. So if you do business or are looking to connect with people from around the world, now you can uh, continue to use the same free conference call uh, information, and that's available over in the radio links uh, today. For those of you who uh, have been listening here on the Nonprofit Coach, you know that we have been following the story of the uh, uh, nonprofit organizations who have lost their tax-exempt status. Uh, now, uh, what we do know is that 279,595 nonprofit organizations um, lost their tax-exempt status in the first-ever automatic revocation of tax-exempt uh, status. What's very interesting is now GuideStar has done some analysis of those charities, and the top 100 uh, that uh, had their uh, status revoked um, had revenue from $4 million to $400 million. Uh, these links are available to you over in the radio links today. We continue to monitor this story uh, because, of course, I'm, I'm going to be very interested in our page two experts uh, if they think as we roll forward, uh, if fundraising uh, numbers and totals are in any way going to be affected by the fact that there are now 280,000 fewer uh, charities uh, here in the United States with tax-exempt status. Uh, as we continue here on the uh, nonprofit coach, uh, we have mentioned in the past the American Express NGEN, or Next Generation Fellows. Uh, well, that, their fellowship program, the 2010 NGEN Fellows Project, has now produced what I consider to be a very important report uh, for uh, nonprofit organizations. And this is uh, all about intentional succession planning through leadership development. You can get a copy of this report. It was convened by the independent sector, uh, partially funded by American Express, uh, and this is a culmination of uh, the work of these, uh, of these fellows. Uh, and this group of 12 nonprofit and foundation professionals that were convened helped put this report together. So read all about it in the radio links today at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. Uh, now I'm, I'm going to give one more shot here and see if we've got this uh, an opportunity to talk to Kate Sloniker. Um, Kate, are you here? No, we're going to uh, get Kate on the show next week. Uh, we're obviously having some problem with uh, with connecting uh, Kate here on uh, on the show. The next uh, thing that I want to uh, uh, draw your attention to here is uh, another Ted's favorite thing. Uh, and sometimes you just need to take some time out. Uh, and one of the things that I love on the internet are really great new opportunities for you to learn about new services. And if you've not discovered Slacker Radio, Slacker Radio is a terrific way for you to create your own radio station, listen to the music that you want, uh, or in my case, I love listening to comedy skits uh, that are available on Slacker Radio. Well, now over in the radio links today, you're going to be able to get uh, a free month of their premium radio service uh, and entered into a drawing for one-year subscriptions uh, for Slacker Radio. So you'll be able to find that and follow that uh, and add that as an option even to Facebook to have your own radio station over on Facebook. That's Slacker Radio 
at tedhart.com. Click on radio links uh, today. As we start uh, moving towards our page two experts, I do want to draw your attention to the fact that you can call in today and ask a question at 347-324-3080. If you prefer, we've got quite a number of people over in the chat room. Uh, Hello, folks. You can type out your questions there, and I will ask them of our page two expert on your behalf if you uh, prefer not to dial in today. Uh, You can also email me at tedhart.com at tedhart.com. Important notice here, and that is you'll find over in the radio links highlighted in yellow today uh, that there are two positions available over at the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. We want to draw your attention to the fact that they are looking for qualified candidates in Washington, D.C., or willing to relocate to Washington, D.C., for a resource development manager uh, working in the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops Department of Migration and Refugee Services. They are also looking for someone to be their program development coordinator who will essentially serve as their grant writer. That's also in the Department of Migration and Refugee Service. Today you'll find in the radio links a link to where you can find out more information and even how you can apply online. So all of that information is available to you from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. And with that, that wraps up page one news today. Uh, Having wrapped up page one news, that means that we're on to our page two experts. today to have the opportunity to reschedule the nonprofit coach from our regular Tuesday 12 noon time slot to this very special Monday 12 noon time slot. The reason that we did that is today is a very big announcement. In the nonprofit sector, there are a few reports that come out that are more anticipated and more important than the annual Giving USA report. Well, today we have Edith Falk, who is the chair of Giving USA Foundation, as well as chair and CEO of Campbell and Company. Edith Falk is very well-known and really requires no introduction. Her uh, career spans more than 30 years in institutional advancement. The Giving USA Foundation is the publisher of this seminal annual report, Giving USA. She also is a member of the Editorial Review Board and Advisory Council on Methodology for Giving USA. Today we will also have, as a page two expert here on the nonprofit coach, Peter Fissinger. Peter is president of Campbell and Company. He's also chair of the Giving USA's Foundation Advisory Council on Methodology and a board member of the Giving Institute. Peter, also very accomplished, has 27 years of professional experience in institutional advancement and has been directly involved in designing and implementing major capital fundraising annual giving, planned giving, marketing, and and publication efforts. Needless to say, these folks have the eminent uh, criteria needed to do a great job with presenting for us today their work, Giving USA Report 2011. Welcome here on the Nonprofit Coach, Edith Falk and Peter Fissinger. Good afternoon, Ted. This is Edith. We're happy to be here. Hi, yeah, it's great to have you here on the Nonprofit Coach. Thank you so much uh, for choosing the Nonprofit Coach as the venue today for your radio announcement of the very important Giving USA report. Now, before we get to the very important and highly anticipated numbers of this year's uh, Giving USA report, I was wondering, uh, Edith, if you would first share with us uh, the Giving USA uh, uh, Foundation, the Giving Institute. What are these um, uh, these organizations, and why do they matter to the nonprofit sector? 
Sure, Ted, I'd be happy to. The Giving Institute is the professional association of consulting firms that's uh, addressed the needs of nonprofit organizations throughout our country. Uh, we have uh, about 40 members of the Giving Institute. The Giving USA Foundation is the educational arm of, <clears throat> of the Giving Institute, and as you said earlier, we are the publishers of the Giving USA report and have been the publishers under different names uh, for more than 50 years. That's great. Uh, Edith, I'm just going to ask you to move a little bit closer to your phone. You are a little bit muted coming uh, through the radio uh, show here today, and I want to make sure all of our listeners can hear you loud and clear. You were talking sure, about the giving. Yeah, that, I think that might be a little bit better. Uh, you were talking about the Giving Institute. There are 30 members who make up the Giving Institute. Uh, and is it correct that uh, uh, that group um, gave uh, sort of birth to uh, the Giving USA Foundation, which is responsible for the release of today's report? That's absolutely correct. Now tell us about the Giving USA Foundation, and, and again, just a little bit closer to your microphone, um, and uh, give it a little bit about the Giving USA uh, Foundation, what the goals are, uh, and uh, what you hope to accomplish with uh, this annual report. Well, the Giving USA Foundation is the publisher of the Giving USA report, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, although you may not have been able to hear me, uh, we've been publishing this data under various names. We uh, for more than 50 years. So the goal of the Giving USA Foundation is to bring to, um, to the public, uh, to the nonprofit community and to the general public as a whole, data relevant to the work, uh, to the role of philanthropy in our country. Uh, and Ted, you may be getting into this a little bit later on in the program, but I will say that uh, philanthropy in this country, and particularly in the last decade, represents about 2% of the gross domestic product. So it's a very important part of our economy. It's certainly important to those nonprofit organizations that uh, provide so much value in our communities in so many different areas, whether it's education, human services, arts and culture, the environment. Um, but certainly an important part, uh, an important uh, part of the nonprofit economy and certainly an important part of the larger economic picture in this country. Well, I'm glad that you uh, brought that up, and I think that the 50-plus years of history that you bring to this report only adds to the importance that nonprofit executives and donors throughout the country should be placing on this report. Peter, I was wondering if you uh, might, as the, the chair of the Giving USA Foundation's Advisory Council on Methodology, uh, talk a little bit about, again, before we get to the numbers, um, how does this report come together? It's sort of a, it's a very big country, and we're talking about some very big numbers, as Edith just said, uh, to try to get your arms around 2% of the entire GMP of the United States. Uh, it's got to be a daunting task. How do you do that? Well, first of all, we, we engaged the Center on Philanthropy at Indiana University to conduct this research for the Giving USA Foundation. They are a top team of academicians and researchers with whom we charge the responsibility of conducting the research to make it sure that it's done as professionally as possible. Secondly, I would say that so that people are, are clear, that the model is a predictive model. The estimates that came out today will continue to be refined over a two-year period until those numbers are made final uh, in 2012. 
for, for the year of 2010. And so what we use a variety of data to accumulate the estimates. The, the primary driver for individual giving is IRS estimates. And then we use some other models to refine those IRS estimates. Generally, we find that the biggest predictors of philanthropy uh, are the economy and personal consumption, as well as corporate profits and the various financial markets. Uh, when possible, we use partners, such as the Foundation uh, Center, to help us aggregate data from specific uh, areas of philanthropy. We're, we also uh, have somebody from the Council for Advancement and Support of Education serving on the Council of Methodologies, just to give you an example of how we try to broaden the net as far as possible. Now, as, as you're going through through that, it, it occurred to me to to wonder, uh, and again, before we get uh, to the the numbers um, themselves, um, this is a two-year sort of rolling process for you. What sort of revisions have been made over the last couple of years, and what were those numbers? So let's take a look at the historical aspect before we get to this year's numbers. Well. If you were to, if, if, to look at the historical aspect, if you were to track uh, the Giving USA numbers from the, the time it began, we found that the, the, the research is a very high predictor of philanthropy. Historically, we've been within about 1% of the final totals. I will say that we have found that in the past two years, that uh, the, the data has been slightly less accurate. We expect to come within about 6% of the, uh, of the total giving predicted two years ago. Uh, and specifically, Ted, what we found is that there really wasn't any great way to predict the depth of this recession. So some of the models that we used were less accurate now than they had been in the past. We think two things. First of all, the recession, the depth of this recession was extraordinary, and we, and gratefully, we don't expect to have that kind of event again anytime soon. Secondly, we've taken steps to refine the model to make it more accurate in the future. We've put some other indicators in that would help us capture uh, the kinds of things that happen in a steep decline in the economy and a steep decline in the stock market. Here, let me let me just uh, for a programming note here. Whatever you just did was great. We can hear you much better now. Uh, so I appreciate I appreciate you doing that to help us uh, have good audio uh, today. Um, so so a summary of, of what I'm understanding on on the methodology side um, is that that the, the disruption to the economy was so severe um, that it it really made it more difficult for you to really pinpoint those numbers over the last couple of years. That's exactly right. And as a as a as a note, we found that one of the biggest revisions to individual giving was due to the fact that the IRS had to revise its own numbers on individual giving. So the predictors we were using were less accurate during this recession than they had been in the past. 
We're focusing more on personal consumption rather than personal income in the future because we think that consumption is an indicator not only of how much money people have, but how they feel about their security, which impacts their philanthropy. So it's a combination of models that we've used in the past that were highly accurate, being less accurate this time, and also refining that model going forward to try to make sure it is as accurate as it can possibly be. So what are those historical numbers uh, revised now, and, and, and I gather may even be revised again? Uh, what is the trend over the last couple of years? Yeah, Ted, this is Edith. Let me uh, try to address that question. We had originally projected giving for 2008 and 2009 to be uh, above the $300 billion mark. Uh, and in going back to revise those numbers, uh, we've had to uh, reduce that uh, to just under $300 billion for 2008 uh, and uh, $280 billion for 2009. Uh, and that's the number against which we are comparing the increase in this year's uh, giving numbers. So, um, so there has not been an increase in giving in the United States since 2007. That's correct. So, uh, Edith, as uh, uh, the uh, the head honcho here uh, and uh, the chair of the Giving USA Foundation, why don't you go ahead and fill in the blank for us and tell us what is the number uh, for 2010, and then we can start talking about the significance and breaking that down. Sure, Ted. And uh, frankly, it's a bit of good news. So we're happy to report that. Uh, giving estimates for the year 2010, the year that ended at the end of December, are reported at $291 billion, which is an increase of 3.8% in current dollars. Now, when you adjust that for inflation, it's still an increase, but of a slightly lower amount. It's an increase of 2.1%. So it's an actual increase over giving in the prior year in 2009. It's an actual increase of about $10.59 billion. So it's clearly moving in the right direction. It's not as big of an uptick as we might have liked to see, but it's moving in the right direction. But, uh, uh, Edith, uh, it's still below the anticipated final number for 2008. Is that correct? That's correct. And, in fact, uh, the sobering reality here is if we continue to increase at this rate, a 2.1% inflation-adjusted rate, it's going to take us probably five years before we return to the giving levels of 2007. Uh, Which so is very it, troubling, Edith, oh, um, when we're looking at a nonprofit sector that is in many ways being called upon uh, to do much more than it has in the past, and it's looking like the dollars are just not there. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's been a tough, very tough couple of years for the nonprofit community, and particularly for uh, those human service agencies that are providing for basic needs in our communities. And what we're seeing as we look forward is that it's going to continue to be tough times for, uh, for the nonprofit community. We're not out of the woods yet. Uh, we're beginning to see much more encouraging news as we move into 2011. There have been reports of some truly significant gifts in higher education, in healthcare. Uh, there have been reports of nine-figure gifts. So it, what that's telling us is that uh, mega donors are once again feeling more confident about the state of the economy and their, the state of their 
own personal financial situations and able to think about uh, making larger gifts. And I think there's a trickle-down effect to the rest of the population. So hopefully people are going to feel um, more confident about their ability to make philanthropic gifts as we come into the last two quarters of this current calendar year. And as you know, the majority of giving in this country happens in the last quarter of the fiscal year. So if the economic news continues to uh, be strong as it continues to improve, hopefully we'll have an even better than expected uh, 2011. But as I said earlier, we're not quite out of the woods yet. Edith and Peter, I'm wondering if uh, in looking at these numbers, and we really appreciate, again, your utilizing the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show um, to release this $291 billion announcement, 3.8% increase over the prior year and 2.1% increase taking into uh, inflation. I'm wondering if you, if you do, as you were just mentioning, you know, the, the future is rough for charitable organizations, uh, and there are some people who are saying that uh, uh, there could be some rough road ahead for the U.S. economy. Uh, is there anything in your report or anything in in the uh, information that you have that would help predict what happens, or is your methodology more geared towards reporting? The methodology, Ted, this is Peter, is, is more geared toward reporting. And I, what I can say about what we've learned through the research is that the economy and the stock market and personal consumption are very high indicators of philanthropy. So that's the data that, that you can take out over the broad base of the country and over the wide scope of nonprofit organizations that exist. But within that, we can tell you that anecdotally, uh, in our work in, in, in professional service from uh, helping nonprofit organizations, that there really are things that organizations can do. What we notice anecdotally, for instance, is that when individuals face some, some troubling uh, times and they, and they choose to reduce their level of philanthropy, by and large, they reduce the number of organizations they support before they reduce the amount in which they give to their favorite charities. And from that, one of the things we've always done is help organizations work hard to become a top charity with the individuals they serve. And that's where a whole range of professional practices come into play to help nonprofit organizations weather the storm. Peter, you've brought up such a very important topic, as I've always shared uh, in my lectures and in the strategy that I provide to uh, nonprofit organizations. I tell them that they're, they're really fighting to be third um, for, uh, for their donors and that this is a, an individual-by-individual, people-to-people process uh, in that most folks – uh, not all, but most folks tend to give to their alma mater, give to their house of worship, uh, and then other charities fall in the three, four, five range. And if I'm hearing you correctly, what a lot of donors do is they become much more focused on the charities that they have a relationship with, uh, as to as opposed to sort of spreading money around when times are better. 
Ted, I would absolutely agree with you on that. I think what we're, you know, there's been a lot of conversation about the, quote, new normal. Uh, and while that's not a phrase I'm particularly fond of, I do think there are some things that may have changed uh, in the way people think about their giving. Uh, Peter, and you also referenced the concentration or the, um, the reallocation of dollars to those organizations that people care most about. We're hearing a lot of conversation about uh, impact. Tell me how my gift is making a difference so that people do want to uh, focus their giving in those areas, um, first of all, uh, in areas where, where they feel passionately with causes and organizations that they really care about and they'll tend to give more if the organization can define for them how that mission, the mission of that organization, is making a difference in the community or in the nation or whatever the sphere in which that organization works. So people are really paying attention to messaging. Uh, I think in a way that uh, 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 is a harbinger of how organizations are going to increasingly need to message in the years ahead. Well, and, and Edith, you bring up such a, an important point, and I was uh, wondering if you could respond to, um, obviously, one of the topics we cover very heavily here on The Nonprofit Coach uh, is the influence of the Internet and social media online fundraising. And it seems to me that in sort of this laser-focused world of philanthropy, uh, that the Internet plays a very important role to a donor's ability to gather information. And how does that now dovetail into giving? Well, one of the things that we're seeing, and again, this isn't evidenced by the Giving USA data, but certainly Peter and I and others uh, are seeing as practitioners in the field, is the extent to which uh, donors or even prospects before they become donors will go online to do their research about an organization before they decide to invest a philanthropic gift in that organization. So certainly the Internet is key in that. And we've certainly seen social media play a very important role in building community of like-minded individuals, which uh, are certainly important to nonprofit organizations who have a strong advocacy role to play, uh, but also increasingly um, benefiting their fundraising program as well. Now, I don't, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't believe that you yourself in your report break down a specific um, measure of online giving across the country. Is that correct? Right. There is not specific data on that, but there have been a number of other surveys completed recently that are showing an increase in the use of social media uh, and an increase in giving uh, over the Internet. So uh, that's certainly a trend. I think we're all expecting that to continue uh, to uh, grow. Absolutely, and, and we uh, we put out our own estimate, uh, always following the Giving USA report. We always wait for uh, sort of the the, the big wigs to uh, uh, put out the uh, the big number. But it does look uh, like uh, next week when we when we make our annual uh, assessment of uh, online giving uh, is that it was quite a, a big increase um, over the the prior year. Um, and there's several reports that uh, from Blackbaud to uh, to others who are showing that to be the case. Um, are, are you sensing that there is uh, in any way more of an institutionalization of online giving uh, or is it still on the edge? There's no question that online giving is becoming more institutionalized, Ted. I think it's important to point out, though, that uh, even individuals who may make 
major gifts online will often interact in a personal way with the organization before deciding to make that gift. And so what we are finding with organizations is that online giving is becoming increasingly important. One's web presence is increasingly important. And the ability for somebody to make a gift easily online is critical to nonprofit organizations, but it does not replace the need for the organization to be very personal in its outreach, especially to its major donor base. It really is a measure, as we mentioned in uh, page one today, uh, it is an integration model that has really been the key to um, uh, successful fundraising in a traditional sense. And now as we introduce the Internet and social media, that hasn't changed at all. It's the integration of the various tools, which is where professionals come in. Is that right? That's right, and if you've been around as long as us, you remember when computers first came into the development office, and, and every great evolution in, in technology, there have been some practitioners who may think, well, now I don't have to talk to my donors. It's never been true, and it'll never be true. Yeah, that's a, that's a very important statement that you've made because we, we certainly agree with you uh, that uh, fundraising has always been and remains, uh, even with the use of the Internet, to be a people-to-people -people business. <laughs> Excuse me, Edith and uh, Peter, we're going to take a, a short station break uh, for a sponsor message. We'll be right back. When we come back, I was hoping that you would take that $291 billion um, estimate of online giving in 2010 and help us break that down in terms of where that money uh, goes uh, and then some of the key factors that you think charities ought to be utilizing this information for. We'll be right back after the break. We continue to uh, be uh, so pleased to have uh, BlackBot as a sponsor of the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show. Do you want an easy-to-use solution to raise more money? Well, BlackBot can help. BlackBot is one solution from the world's leading provider of fundraising and CRM software for nonprofit organizations. With BlackBot, you can raise more money both online and offline. There's that integration that we were just talking about uh, with Edith and Peter with the help of built-in fundraising best practices. You can also focus on your best donors with BlackBot's brand-new innovation, the Giving Score. You can also connect with your supporters with integrated e-marketing and social media tools. Go to blackbaud.com forward slash raise more money and find out how you can raise more money. We also have provided to you today in the radio links at tedhart.com, click on radio links, a highlighted link directly to blackbaud.com. Thank you, Blackbaud, for being a sponsor of the Nonprofit Coach. We're going to head right back to the show. And Peter, here in Washington, D.C., there's a well-known phrase that uh, a billion here, a billion there, and you start talking about serious money. You're reporting today $291 billion. That is very serious money. Edith had mentioned earlier that this is 2% of the gross national product of the entire United States, which means the nonprofit sector is a very significant part of our economy. Where does that money go? Go ahead. 
that money goes, uh, and we and we do track it by uh, some key recipient areas. The majority of the money, close to uh, 35% of that money, goes to religion, as it has for uh, a long time. That's about $100 billion of that total. Uh, next in order, and I'm just going to go around the pie chart uh, so to give you a sense of the um, uh, order of magnitude of giving to different areas, but second, uh, highest amount goes to education, and last year that amount was uh, just uh, under $42 billion. The third area is gifts to grant-making foundations, uh, and that amount is um, $23 million. Then going around the pie in terms of order, the next areas are human service, health, public sector benefit, which is uh, umbrella organizations like the United Way and the Jewish Federation, Catholic Charities, and uh, community foundations. Uh, the fourth sector is arts and culture, followed by international affairs and the environment. The environment is the smallest piece of the pie. Uh, well, that's not entirely true because we've now started uh, uh, tracking gifts to individuals, uh, which is... Uh, um, about 2% of the total, and those are primarily gifts of uh, medications from pharmaceutical companies directly to individuals. Uh, but giving to the environment, just to give you a sense of the next smallest piece, is 2% of the total. Edith, when we look at these numbers, obviously they're, you know, it's, it's the nonprofit sector is so varied um, and the numbers are, are so vast. I'm just wondering, um, uh, either either Edith or, or Peter, and it may be hard to predict this, but when you look at the giving in 2009, which was uh, initially estimated uh, at a 3.6% decrease, so uh, two years in a row, no increase since 2007, but in your revisions that actually dropped by 6.5%. I'm just wondering, we're sort of so close to the edge here. Uh, is it possible that 2010 could be revised as no increase? Uh, that's a really good question that I think we, we just don't have a definitive answer to, Ted. There's no question that we will refine the numbers going forward as final data is available to us. We believe, though, that the extent to which we may have missed some of the drop in philanthropy was largely due to an unanticipated drop in the estimates uh, from the IRS in individual giving, which was closely correlated with the very significant drop in the stock market. So without that kind of volatility, while there will be Refinements. We expect to return to the historic model of being within about one percent of what we predicted overall. So when you look at again, you look at the historical trend lines, and as you mentioned earlier, Peter, one of the sort of leading indicators that that you have found over time are important for charities to be watching is the stock market. Uh, the fact that uh, uh, 2010 uh, was a bit better year, and even 20 when we look back on 2011, um, that's been a better year in the in the stock market at least so far. Um, that gives you reason to believe that perhaps there won't be as significant a revision down. That's right. And, and another point that we've kind of been uh, poking around, but I'd like to get right at, is that you know when we're 
talking about organizations and what they should do in their philanthropic programs, we keep referring to how they should reach out to their individual donors as much as possible. The truth of the matter is that individuals drive philanthropy. If you look at the total given by individuals and then add in the amount contributed through bequests, which are recently deceased individuals, and then if you even look at the amount given from family foundation or from foundations, we uh, estimate that about a half of that total is really emanates from individuals who have contributed to foundations. Giving from individuals accounts for about 88% of the total of, from philanthropy last year. And so it is very much driven by these indicators that we've mentioned, the stock market and how they hold their assets, their personal consumption, and their personal giving. The 88% that you mentioned that comes from individuals, um, individuals have always been the lion's share of giving in the United States. Is that up or down or steady compared to the historical average of, say, the last five or ten years? It's actually down a couple of percent. When you take those three various, those three categories that I mentioned, giving from individuals, giving through bequests, and the amount of foundation giving that we can trace to individuals, it has historically been over the 90% mark, but it actually dropped a little bit below uh, the 90% mark this year, and that's largely driven by a drop in individual giving. And so where, who made up the money? If individuals uh, took a step back, who took a step forward? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Is that more corporations, foundations? Do we know, have a sense of where that, that money came from? Right. Uh, the the largest increase, um, well, the increase uh, basically came from the corporate community. Uh, we're giving rose by 10.6%. That's the biggest increase uh, when you look at the four sectors that we track, the four sectors being individuals, bequests, foundations, and giving. Now, actually, let me take that back. Charitable bequests, which is the most volatile piece here, and we see great swings from one year to another, and in large part that's driven by the value of the uh, assets uh, within those uh, portfolios, uh, that are a part of that bequest, that actually rose 18.8%. Uh, but then the next sector where we saw an increase was corporate giving. Uh, and what we're seeing is a real shift toward in-kind giving. So that number that's being tracked for corporate philanthropy, uh, while it's been going up, the relative share of uh, actual cash gifts compared to in-kind gifts has been shifting increasingly in favor of in-kind gifts. Foundation giving for all practical purposes was pretty much steady, even with last year. Uh, so we haven't seen any real growth there. But we are expecting the foundation community to, uh, we're, we're expecting to see an increase in foundation giving probably over the next 12 to 18 months as the portfolios that the foundations hold and out of which they make their gifts uh, continue to show improvement in the market. 
now the the increase uh, which, which you're noting in in kind giving, uh, while that can be significant and important to uh, a lot of uh, uh, charitable organizations, does it long term give a concern that uh, corporate America or others uh, may not be contributing to the actual operations of an organization and, and instead wanting to move their product? Well, I think we've been seeing a change in the way corporations think about their giving for a, for a few years here. And what we're seeing is that corporations are tending to focus their giving on those organizations whose missions align more closely with their corporate social responsibility goals. So they're looking, they're, they're concentrating their giving among fewer organizations and they're uh, engaging in partnerships with nonprofit organizations that are very multifaceted. So they include both cash gifts and in-kind gifts. We're seeing a real increase in what's being called skill-based volunteerism, where the corporations are looking for ways that their uh, professionals can uh, provide assistance to nonprofit organizations. Um, it involves uh, leveraging their uh, consumers to support the organization. So in some ways, it is supporting the operating budget of the organization, but in a variety of different ways. I think where we're seeing some pullback are uh, it's in the area of smaller gifts uh, to local organizations within the corporation's uh, geography where the alignment isn't as strong, where they might have been making a $25,000 or $50,000 grant to the operating budget or possibly even underwriting an event, we see those numbers declining. So so you see this as as a natural evolution of of just more complexity to the fundraising model as opposed to any concerns over a shift? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think corporations increasingly recognize they have an obligation to their shareholders, so they're looking for partnerships that both advance uh, who they are and what they try to do as a corporation uh, and also uh, um, providing benefit to their community where wherever that community happens to be, whether it's here or across the country or maybe even overseas. Uh, there's a, a email question here uh, from Sam in Dallas, and he's wondering about major gift support and where that fits in your overall report. Well, clearly major gift support is uh, responsible for a large share of uh, the individual number that we've reported here. P uh, Peter referenced the um, drop in itemized uh, charitable contributions uh, from those taxpayers who itemize. That represents about a third of American uh, taxpayers, but that accounts for a very large percentage, more than half of the money that's given away in this country. So major gifts uh, still play a very important role. In, Are there uh, outliers uh, either this year or, or in most years that significantly affect the, the numbers? I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, Gates and, and, and others and those kinds of gifts, uh, or are those sort of baked into the, the numbers and it's still the individual number that's the biggest? Well, if you look uh, at the history of bequest giving, we see historically we see much more fluctuation in that area than we do in the other uh, sectors. And the reason for that is that uh, a small number of very large bequests can move the needle one way or the other. So we do see that 
in uh, giving through bequests. And if you look further into the various sectors, there's evidence of the extent to which truly major gifts can swing the total. In the aggregate, uh, one sector that suffered disproportionately or a little bit more than some other sectors was education because historically education has benefited from very large gifts in large capital campaigns to major educational institutions. And when the market dropped by 50%, those gifts really, uh, they didn't completely go away, but they, they really re were reduced significantly. You could, you could see that education was heard a little bit more than some areas, and we think that that's in direct relation to the impact of major gifts by individuals. Now, what about healthcare? That that sector was up by eight percent in uh, in your report. Um, don't those usually track a little bit closer together? Education and healthcare they 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 track up or down more closely, and uh, we have sort of a divergence here. Healthcare is up, and and education is having a tough time. It's interesting that you point that out. Uh, in fact, healthcare was a, a surprising number, and uh, we think it may it may bode well for those many institutions that are trying to build a case for support amidst uh, healthcare reform. I do want to note, though, that giving to uh, academic medical centers that are part of a university that that giving would be tracked in the education sector, not in the healthcare sector. So they might be commingled a little bit more than is immediately noticeable. And, and, and we feel fairly confident that those numbers, I, I know that it's very difficult to get your arms around around these numbers, but you know there, there's always criticism in terms of charities will report their numbers and have a particular perspective and giving USA might say something else. Is that just sort of local versus national? It's local versus national, but it's also the difference between one institution and another. And we see vast uh, differences uh, in any given sector. There will be organizations whose results are better than the national results reported uh, in giving USA better, at least in the percentage basis, and others whose uh, experience is quite the opposite. So in any given year, there are uh, you know, some 40, 45% of the organizations who have a, a worse experience and others who have a, 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 the same or better experience. So it really reflects the, the, um, the degree of sophistication of the individual organization and nature of the work that it does, the kinds of relationships it has with its board members and its best donors, uh, and uh, the extent to which they have thoughtfully stored the gifts of past donors over time. We have found those to be the factors that are really the best predictor of how well any given organization is going to do on a year-to-year -year basis. Edith and Peter, thank you so much for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach. The time always flies by, and of course, you've provided this information in such a very important way. Uh, thank you for choosing the Nonprofit Coach. Before we break today, we do just have two minutes left here on the show. I want to make sure that our listeners know how they can support the work of the Giving USA Foundation uh, and uh, why that might be important for them to do that. Very quickly, Edith, we just have a little over a minute. Yeah, first of all, Ted, let me remind your listeners that they can download a free copy of the executive summary at the report. 
Uh, I just checked it. It's online now. So go to www.givingusareports, that's with an S, .org, and they can download a free copy. If they'd like to support the work of the Giving USA Foundation, we certainly welcome that. As you can imagine, this is an expensive undertaking and one that doesn't get less expensive every year. We've got to start from the beginning, from scratch every year, uh, and raise a significant amount of money to make this happen. So if they would go to the Giving US GivingUSAFoundation.org website, they can give online, and we would be most grateful for that support, and we will recognize them in the current report online. Thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, you certainly can go to GivingUSAReports.com. Uh, uh, you can also go to TedHart.com, click on radio links, and we've provided a direct link to download those reports today. Thank you for joining us here, Edith Falk and Peter Fissinger. We will be right back here on the Nonprofit Coach next week, Tuesday, uh, for a round robin on Twitter, social media, and our Twitter expert. Joining us next week, thank you again for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach. You can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.